Hey Gems, welcome back to the show. Let's not waste any time and jump straight into the topic. All right, Gems, welcome to the show. I'm really excited today because we have a special guest, April the Money Coach, who mostly, you know, has been known for helping high-earning professional women manage their finances to achieve a million dollar net worth using their income alone. So I know all y'all have heard about having seven streams of income, that you have to have multiple streams of income or you're not going to be able to be financially free. And we're going to miss it. We're going to demystify, excuse me, that today. And I'm really excited to talk about it because I think there is, you know, beauty and simplicity and being able to really maximize in one place before starting to branch off. And so again, super excited to have April, the money coach on today. April, thank you for being here. Would love for you to let us know how you got to this place where you started helping other women be able to do what you were able to do. Hello. And um, I love the intro. I love some of the stuff you said there. So, so very true. Some great stuff to dive into. But hello, everyone. I am April Stewart, also known as April the Money Coach. And as um, Jason mentioned, I help high achieving women to use their salary to build a million dollar net worth. So basically turning your six-figure income into a seven-figure net worth. And um, I've been featured on platforms such as um, Black Enterprise, uh, Forbes, Afrotech, um, where I like to share basically what I call um, maximizing the use of the hidden gem, your income. So I'm passionate about personal finance because I had a point in my life where after buying my first home, I um, then bought my first car and lost my job. So I was in a scary place with um, no income, a new house, a new car, and no savings. And I didn't have, I didn't come from a family with money, so I had no one to rely on for help, no one to turn to. And so, you know, upon climbing out of that situation, I was really passionate about exploring personal finance, like learning what I considered, like what the rock stars, rock stars knew about money that I didn't. So I wanted to position myself to no longer come to this place again, to like be financially sound and secure. And in doing that, um, I just became the go-to person in my family, my circle of friends um, that love to ask me money questions. So it really empowered me um, to want to help others to learn this information too, because it became obvious that there are so many others, like even people I went to college with or other professional women that I met and became friends with, like they didn't have this financial literacy either. So I really wanted to see women empowered around um, finances because we often feel like this is not our space. That's deep, you know, and it's one thing to kind of read things in a book or whatever the case may be. Going to school for stuff is wonderful, but to go through the experience yourself and be able to teach from that perspective, I think is unique. Mm-hmm. And um, it gives a different, you know, it gives a different air to the information that you share because you've been through it. And so you were not handed down seven, seven figure net worth. It sounds like you are not maybe, um, you know, like a trust fund baby or anything like that not where you grew up, grew up with wealth and whatnot, which there's nothing wrong with trust fund baby. Babies, okay, because yeah. I got to deliver one myself. Yes. But right, that's not your story. So you've been in a place where you, you know, purchased a home, got a car, and then boom, life happens and you lose your job. And now you're in a situation where you have to figure out how to make ends meet, which I feel like a lot of people listening would resonate with. Um, 
when it comes to having maneuvered through that situation, because one of the things that I hear a lot of ladies talk about is, you know, either being having saved some money and then life happens and then they have to use the money. And so they, they get really discouraged in the process of um, saving in the long term and investing because they feel like there's always something that happens that like knocks them back or gets in the way or whatever the case may be. For you, as you're maneuvering through that situation, what was it that helped you not to like give up and be like, you know what? Well, I guess, you know, financial freedom and independence isn't going to happen for me. So let me just go ahead and make this Amazon order. Right. Um, So, I mean, I didn't have a choice, of course. Like, I'm not going to just be out here homeless, like lose lose my house, um, you know, lose my car. Like, I had to get back on my feet. So, to me, there wasn't a choice. Like, I'm not a quitter. Um, So, quitting wasn't an option. But as you mentioned, like, not just the situation, but life. Like, there have definitely been ups and downs along my journey. Um, So, yes, there have been... um, and actually, when this situation happened, I didn't have savings to fall back on. So, that was another thing. I was like, okay, you're just totally out here, like unprotected. Like you didn't, you know, I didn't have any cushion. So, um, you know, as I went on and transformed my finances and got on stable ground, I did have savings, but life happens. Like I had to replace my car. Um, I used all my savings for that, went back down to zero. Um, other things happened. I mean, unfortunately when I had to bury my father, you know, he didn't leave anything behind. So my sister and I had to dig into our savings to fund everything. And there just been things throughout life that kind of take my savings down a lot or maybe take it down to zero and I come right back. But that's life. Like um, there was never a point where I was like, okay, this is not meant for me. Um, Cause I know that you have a set point. Like once you do it, you can do it again. So just continue with your plan. It's important, you know, to have a money plan, to have a, a system that you follow, but get right back on track with it. Like continue with it, build those savings back up that you had and go on with life. So um I mean, I think it's definitely doable and it's okay if you have setbacks. It's okay if you quote unquote have to start over. Um, just keep going. Just never quit. I love that. Yeah. And and it's true. It happens. You didn't have the safety nest at first and not everyone has that. But how can you use the experience to be one that is a reminder of why you need to make sure you get back on the money, on the money plan, right? So use that as fuel to help you to, you know, figure out how to get back on track so that you can protect yourself for next time. Cause y'all, there will be a next time. (laughs) If there's one thing that's for sure is that life is going to happen in one way or the other. And Thankfully, though, when we're intentional and strategic, we can, you know, avoid it being something that is crisis level, you know, an emergency is an inconvenience instead of a crisis Mm -hmm. when we have, you know, a concrete plan in place. Okay. I love that. So then, you know, for you, how is it that you, you know, I'm assuming built up your own net worth to be able to talk to other people about it. What about your journey as far as, you know, maximizing either your, your income and your, your position? So you said you lost a job. So let me back up because I'm sure people won't have all kinds of questions. How were you able to then find like, you know, work to replace what you were previously doing, I guess, is the mm-hmm. first thing. So I just um, actually uh, immediately after that, I took um, unemployment just to have something coming in while I just search for jobs, you know, hard and furious. And I landed something. I mean, the, the goal was to keep, you know, have income coming in. It wasn't, you know, my dream job, an ideal job. It was something to pay the bills. 
I took that and I kept looking. And then I actually landed in what became a 13-year career. So, um, you know, I kept that initial job for about maybe three months or so. And then I landed something that was more aligned with my degree. Um, my degree is in systems engineering. And I was a program manager. So um, something more in line with that. And that, as I mentioned, became a 13-year 13, 13 career with that company, um, with that job. So, um, so yeah, just looking high and low for jobs and just never, never giving up. Now, what I, I like about what you mentioned was that you, you know, took the time to look for jobs, that you took what was going to suffice in the short term, mm -hmm. but then you kept looking. And so I think that one of the things that gets in the way for a lot of ladies is either waiting for like the unicorn. So waiting for the perfect situation to to do anything or to to take advantage or move forward instead of just leverage what you can where you are. Right. Use what you're able, you know, take advantage of the opportunities that you're able in the meantime. That doesn't mean that you have to give up or stop or or whatever the case may be. I wrote down ABL, always be looking. Even though I'm a full-time entrepreneur, I say this to my coaching students all the time. Even though I'm a full-time entrepreneur and I'm doing pretty good, I'm there's nothing, I have no complaints. I'm always looking because I don't mind getting checks from any which way I can find them. So okay. it's like if you are even if you're at a job and you feel like you're okay at that job or you, you know, you are satisfied, I say, I still say, be open to entertaining something else that might be out there that could be a better fit than you could have even imagined. And so I love that you weren't just kind of holding out forever. You know what I mean? Kind of yeah. waiting for the perfect thing to come your way. You took advantage of what you could at the time. And in that, in that time where you were doing what you knew you must, it may not have been the perfect fit, but you were still looking and open to entertaining other ideas. And sometimes I think people have, um, you know, once they get a job or something, there's like this loyalty to like not leaving or whatever the case may be. And so um, you also, it sounds like had to get to the point that you were like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm going to leave here, you know, like, all right, it's time for me to leave. And maybe there wasn't anything really wrong with that job. Maybe it wasn't like, you know, the worst environment, but it maybe wasn't the best fit for you at the time. And so you shifting into the other position, letting go of the one to enter the other 13 years. That sounds like clearly you must've been, hopefully, hopefully you was satisfied in that position. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess when I say 13 years, it was, I guess more so my career. So um, I was maybe with a couple of different companies, but actually I wasn't a company hopper. Like I'm very much a, I like stability. I like, um, I'm pretty conservative. So once I get with the company and let's, or a job if unless there's an issue. Um, if I'm if if everything's good, then I kind of stay there. I know some people like to hop every two years because you know you get a bigger pay raise that way by switching companies than you know your traditional raises. But I felt like I, I was always taken care of well where I was. Um, so I wasn't. I didn't really hop around. So I tend to stay put. But um, but definitely the first job I landed just wasn't anything aligned with my de degree or my career path at all. So that, you know, necessity will create emergencies for you. And I was like, I have to pay this mortgage. So not paying it is not an option. So I'm going to take what I can get, but we're going to do better. We're going to get something more aligned with this degree we paid for. So that's what drove it. 
Perfect. So then now you are, you know, in a career that you feel is stable. Yeah. How is it that you or someone can maximize? Let's get to the money stuff, rich friend, because I'm a cop star my rich friend. Um, <laughs> how is it that you're able to maximize, you know, one income stream to turn the one into seven, you know, figures worth of net worth? What would you say you did and that you suggest others do as well? Just really being um, intentional, disciplined, and consistent. So um, for me, it was beginning to um, develop a money plan. So develop a, a system for my money. And it began with getting insight into what I was doing with my money. So prior to starting my um, financial transformation, I felt like my money was a black hole. Um, no matter what I did, I couldn't save. And as I mentioned, you know, when I lost my job, I didn't have any savings to fall back on. It just seemed like no matter what I did, I just couldn't find enough left over in my check to save. And what you know made all the difference for me was getting on a spending plan, budget, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, I didn't have it before then. And that just really opened up things for me. Um, I had insight into exactly what my money was doing, what I was doing with it. And then from there, I was able to actually purpose my money to do for it to do what I wanted it to do. Um, instead of just spending it, it coming and going and wondering where it went, like I actually was able to direct my money. And I found that I had more than I realized. Like I honestly felt like I got a raise. Um, and I was like, where did this money come from? It was here all along, but I just had no insight into it and I wasn't managing it properly. So um, that really was the foundation for everything else um, that allowed me to achieve my all of my other financial goals of you know, eliminating debt, saving, and then investing, increasing my investing, of course, which over time with compound interest was able to multiply um, and create the seven-figure net worth for me. I love it. I love it. So what would you say the biggest money mistake is for high-achieving professional women? Like, you know, the thing that you see, you're like, oh, no, you know, like, <laughs> like stop doing that or, you know, you have to change that. I would say um, two things. Um, one being just emotional or impulsive spending. So there's nothing wrong with spending. Like your money is meant to be spent and enjoyed um, and all of that. But there's a lot of um, unfocused, spend, unfocused spending, unintentional spending, um, just a lot of emotional um, spending that really really binds people, I think. And a lot of the women I work with, um, they have a lot of emotional things around money and or just life in general. And they use money to um, to pacify it. Just like, you know, sometimes people use food to pacify their emotions. So um, I find that that's a big thing. And then also just not investing. Um, I think we take investing for granted. We you know, kick it down. We kick the can down the road, especially when it comes to retirement. We think, oh, it's unsexy. Like, that's not something I want to think about. Um, you know, you just want to live your life right now, the here and now. But, you know, if you're fortunate enough to live, retirement is going to come and you have to be prepared for it. So I think a lot of people just negate um, getting started investing until it's too late. And then, you know, maybe they get to their late 30s, 40s, and then they kind of in panic mode and want to play catch up. Okay. So it's the unfocused, unintentional spending that oftentimes is surrounded by 
emotions when it comes to money. So that sounds like money mindset stuff, y'all. I was, I didn't tell her to say nothing like that. So we talk a lot about money mindset and how it's really, you know, at the foundation of a lot of what's going on for for many. Um, so this unfocused, unintentional spending, right? Going to Target for one thing and leaving with 10. Um, and then also just simply not investing. And so it, it can be intimidating. And I will 100% kind of back how intimidating it can be because it's like a different language. It's a different world. It's, it's, it's like Greek. It's like, you know, like it's learning something that's completely new to you unless that's something yeah. that you were exposed to and have knowledge in. However, 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 you somehow learned how to come out the womb and walk and talk and eat and clothe yourself. You learned a language or two. You finished school, at least elementary school. Like you, you know how to do hard things if you are listening to this podcast episode right now. And thankfully, investing doesn't even have to be a hard thing, but there is a learning curve that you have to accept when it comes to to investing to some extent. What would you say are some of the key questions someone would want to like ask themselves or ask maybe HR? Because I don't focus on investing, but I tell my simple question is, are you investing or not? Yes or no? You know, like, do you have some kind of retirement account, 401k, if you have a nine to five or, or not? Yes or no? A lot of the times people don't even know. They're like, I don't know. When I got my job, I signed up for a whole bunch of stuff and, and or they don't know what they're investing in. Cause then I say, are you maximizing, you know, whatever those investments are? So what are those initial questions someone should either be asking themselves or asking HR to kind of make sure they're headed in the right direction if they're a beginner? Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, what the the investment um, program is at the company, um, how much is the match? So, um, and by match, basically it's, say, you know, two, say the company match is 2%. So they'll, if you'll put up 2% of your income, say you make, you know, $100,000. So um, 2% would be what, uh, $2,000. So if you put up, 2000 um then they'll match you that 2000 so that's you know $4000 you'll have in your um investment account so basically you always of course want to take the match or be investing to the match because that's um free money if you don't put it up they're not going to put it up so you have to match them um so you, you know that's free money you're forgoing $2000 that could be going into your account um so of course you always want to take that um but for most people, you need to go beyond that. So $2,000 um, or $4,000 invested per year is not going to be um, enough. So um, for most people, you can always, um, you know, invest up to the IRS maximum, which is, um, it, it changes every year in increases for inflation, but currently it's $20,000 and 500. So, I mean, not everyone can, um, can, you know, do that right away. It takes some people some working up to be able to invest that much money per year, but We'll say in gradually increase every year. Um, and you honestly won't know it. I mean, notice it um, coming out of your money. I mean, of course, you'll notice it growing. And that was something that I personally worked on. Um, I, of course, was doing the company match and I started to increase it incrementally each year. And my my goal was to invest up to the IRS max, which I think at that time was 19,000. Um, and I finally got there. Like I, you know, just over time I got there. So it's definitely... Um, doable. But I mean, yeah, I think those are the questions you should ask. I mean, 
that thing is another question I tend to ask um, my clients about their retirement plan. That's basically when you're vested is when the money is fully yours. Um, some companies a lot of times have a grace period, but that's only really important um, if you're going to leave your job. So you want to, um, and actually I made that mistake. That was a mistake I made. I left um, a company before I was in, before I was vested because I didn't know early in my career. I didn't know about that term. So um, I left the money on the table. Um, and I think it actually was my first, probably one of my first jobs out of college or something. But yeah, I left the money on the table because I wasn't vested yet. So um, that's definitely something like you, if you can hold out, um, if it's worth it, then you would definitely want to not leave a company and leave the money that they put towards your retirement for you. Of course, you can always take your money with you. Um, so those are some some key things to think about. So the question sounds like it becomes, do you like free money or no? Because <laughs> if you if you like free money, then you would invest, even if there is no match. Why? Because when you're invested in the stock market, compound interest, right, is going to grow your money. So there's different there's all these different ways in which investing grows your money, multiplies your money where you receive like free additional money because you have, you know, essentially created this investment account. Um, if you don't like free money, then I don't know what to tell you. I guess keep doing whatever you're doing. Um, <laughs> we don't know her. I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's cool. Like, I guess. But if you were to ask someone, like, would they would they take free money or not? Like, of course you want to take some free money. Now, here's the thing, because it's actually a funny story. Um, my bonus kid is nine going on 19. Well, she's she turned 10 this month. But we are trying, you know, our best to age appropriately kind of inform her about financial literacy. And so one of the things that we're, you know, trying to teach her is about investing um, in a way that she'll understand. And so it's so funny because we're like, you know, there's certain things that you can do with money. You can spend money, you can save money, you can give money away, and then you can, you know, save with a purpose or invest for the long term, right? And so I'm trying to explain investing to her. Um, and I'm like, okay, so you put money in an account, we'll say, and then, you know, if you put that money in that account, it's going to grow as long as you don't take it out because there are certain stipulations. So as a nine-year-old, I said, okay, whatever money you put into this jar as your, you know, seed for investing, your, your starter investment, we will match that first, you know, that first um, investment. I don't know if I said fifty or hundred percent because she's okay because she's not and okay, y'all. That's not the rates you gonna get in the world, but <laughs> just to reinforce behaviorally, right? Like you put yeah. money in, and money is going to is going to grow when you do that. Um, and she was she's she's looking like her head is like to the side because she's like, what do you mean? <laughs> So I can see how people might be skeptical because they're like, where's this free money coming from? Like, why, why are people just giving away free money? And you know what? I've actually been trying to correct myself on saying that because it's not free money. You're working for that money. That's a benefit of being an employee. Um, that's a benefit of the hard work and the, mm -hmm. you know, the value you're bringing to that company. So it's actually not free money, but right. um, it's, it's a big benefit that you get from the company that you're foregoing and that you're not taking advantage of um, mm -hmm. a very important benefit. So um, 
Yeah, and I totally get um, how investing is daunting, the language and all that. And I would say investing definitely was one of the last things that I learned um, as I was learning personal finance. And I mean, it just took studying, studying. And then I finally got it It clicked to, to the point where I could simplify it. So then I practiced explaining it to like my friends and family. Um, and now I, I have it where um, I like to give the women that I work with the simple language to help them understand um, investing, like in terms that they can understand, concepts they can understand, and also what they need to understand. Because the talking heads out here will have you thinking you need to know every single thing, every single term. Mm-hmm. No, you don't need to know all that stuff. You, you just need to know what matters. Um, so I really try to, you know, hone in and break down like what matters too, like. Because we can overwhelm ourselves with trying to know it all. And it's really not important. Honestly, it's a distraction. Oh, I love it. Simplifying the process, right? Like getting down to the need to know. And the more that you learn, the the deeper that you may go, especially if you're interested, um, which is cool. And if and some people may not. They might want to set and forget their investments to some extent. And that's an option too. There's options for each person's you know, level of risk, also options for each person's level of engagement, depending on if they want to be heavily engaged in the investment process or if they want to kind of be, um, you know, a little more hands off to some extent. Are there any key like podcast books, YouTube channels, people that you felt like are really helpful um, that ladies can start uh, learning from other than yourself um, to tap in Um, with? So I would say in terms of books, I really like... um, Ramit Sethi's book, um, I Would Teach You to Be Rich. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great um, overall book. Um, I mean, I also like Everyday Millionaires by, or even The Millionaire Next Door. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you're talking specifically investing. Um, so just kind of with the fundamentals of investing and, and some of just overall money management, I think Ramit's book is good for that. But just overall, like um, money mindset, money habits, behaviors, um, relationship with money, I really love Um the Millionaire Next Door and Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan, because um, they really helped me to shape. I think we often tend to think of millionaires um, or make them synonymous with celebrities. And I think mm-hmm. the lifestyles that we see celebrities live and the things we see them do, we assume that's the millionaire. But, you know, most millionaires, um, your everyday millionaire um, and majority of the millionaires are not that way. They're yeah. the people next door and they don't have the lifestyle that you assume they have and do the things that you assume they do. Um, so there's that facade of, of wealth and richness that, you know, I think we have to kind of move past. Oh, I love it. So I know that you have a free money checklist, if I am correct. Um, I would love for you just to let us know where ladies can learn more about what you do and how you um, help them go from one income stream to seven figures, not having to kill. And that's one of the things that I'm seeing is like not a mistake, but misleading, if that makes sense. So women are out here killing themselves, trying to get two, three and four and five and six and seven income streams. And I'm like, you haven't even landed and nailed and scaled the one that you have first, you know? And so I think that um, we're, we're exhausting energy. We're exhausting ourselves unnecessarily because the, the end goal, the goal, we don't care about the streams. We care about the financial freedom. So, so it's like the end goal is to have the financial freedom and flexibility. 
you can do that in a more simple way, y'all. Like you don't have to kill yourself, you know? You don't have to start a business. Sometimes people are like, do I have to start a side hustle? Do I have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you don't. There's options. Some people want to, and that's great for them. But if you are a person who really wants to keep it simple, you want to go to work, get off work and live your life, still building wealth, then, you know, this might be a great option for you. So where can everyone stay, you know, tapped in and tuned in with what you've got going on? Yeah, so you you hit the nail on the head, said it perfectly, and that's um, I feel like my you know my particular lane and what I'm really passionate about because we hear about building wealth um, from the perspective of being like a real estate investor or stock trader or entrepreneur, but um, there's not really focus on taking the income that you already earn and maximizing, managing, and multiplying that to build wealth. So. Um, for me, yes, I became a business owner down the line, but I was already a millionaire when I became a business owner. Um, and I believe that like focus intensity, um, the power of focus um, is really important. You don't have to do all the things. Um, those things are great. All paths to building wealth are great. But as you mentioned, you don't have to feel like you have to really hustle and, you know, burn yourself out to, to do it. Um, it can be simple. So um, where I am most active is on Instagram. So I'm at April the Money Coach on Instagram. And as you mentioned, I have a free checklist there. Um, it's at the link in my bio. It says um, probably free millionaire money checklist. And you can grab that. And that's really, um, it's really helpful for assessing where you are and then knowing the key steps in a couple of different areas of your finances um, to take to get started right now building wealth. So, you know, some money mindset things, some budgeting things, some savings things, some investment things, um, some of the stuff we mentioned about your job. You know, are you contributing to your 401k to the match and things like that? All of certain things like that are in the checklist to help you assess where you are right now. I love it, April, the money coach. All the links are in the show notes as well. If you scroll and go ahead and tap on them now, don't wait. Okay. Don't play these reindeer games with us. Christmas Christmas is a, is a few months away. So go ahead and follow April, the money coaches page on Instagram. Check out her beautiful website, download your millionaire money checklist. I'm personally going to go download mine. She said, I was a millionaire before I started a business. I said, okay, well, wait a minute. Let me go ahead with your bad self. That's why you're my rich friend. So <laughs> we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us and just to share, you know, how we can simplify and make sustainable this path to building wealth. Yes. Um, it, Thank it you makes, for having me. You're so welcome. It makes it, you know, attainable for many more people and just gives options to some, some who don't want to do all the rest of the things, which is absolutely fine. But we... We'll definitely be engaging and joining your community, cheering you on in everything you do. She does offer one-to-one coaching, group coaching, I believe, and some other options as far as working together if you feel like she resonates with you and that she might be the person that can help you have a clear plan um, and path to building wealth, then don't delay. Okay. Tap in, send an email, send a DM or something, a carrier pigeon, whatever you feel. But hit me up. <laughs> so that you're able to not have to do it alone either, you know? So you don't have to try to figure this stuff out by yourself. I assume April, you were there was a lot that you felt like you had to learn on your own. 
Yes, um, definitely. <laughs> and learn trial and error. Yes. Listen, other people have gone through that trial and error, so you don't have to. And and that you're willing to share. Thank you so much, because otherwise it's just generations and generations and generations of people having to start from ground zero over and over again. And so if we can yes. mitigate that, um, if we Absolutely. can really start building you know, a culture and legacy of passing down the information that's going to help us to be able to, to not just survive, but thrive moving forward. So again, much gratitude and appreciation must give you your flowers while we have you here. We appreciate you and we're cheering you on. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, you have a few options. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it, and you'll be notified as new episodes are uploaded. You can also leave a review or send me your feedback. Doing so helps me to create content that's relevant to what you want to hear about. And last, you can share the podcast with a friend. Whether it's directly or sharing it on your social media, it helps them to know that you think that this is information that they need to hear about. Thank you.